I'm Kate Daniels. Our thoughts are incredibly powerful. And if you weren't sure of this before, Dr. Richard Bandler is here to help us get a better understanding of this and help us navigate these current days and come out of this so much greater. Dr. Bandler has written more than 30 books, and his latest, Thinking on Purpose, is going to be our best friend. Dr. Richard Bandler, good morning. It is really such an honor, a privilege to have you join us this morning. Well, it's, it's nice to be here, given the alternative. <laughs> <laughs> well, there is that. And the thing is, with the work that you do, and, you know, you can continue doing this work, of course, you could do your writing, but you can have these uh, opportunities to still reach out to people over the airwaves where we can help people, give them ideas of how to navigate this, uh, shall we call it, an interesting time. Well, I like what the symphony said. They referred to this as a grand pause. Ah, okay. Well, what do we do with pauses? That Maybe that's the a challenge for us, is we don't often have that, and we're just kind of going 100 miles an hour. Well, you know, what, what I've been getting from people, I've been on the Internet a lot, I'm not reading it so much as talking to people, and uh, a lot of people seem to be imagining horrible things coming their way rather than thinking of this as a kind of induced vacation, uh, a chance to take up painting and uh, spend some time with their children and clean their house thoroughly. And certainly it's an opportunity to learn to have better hygiene. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, my grandkids, I put big black uh, nylon gloves on them and uh, so that they would become cognizant of touching their face. It's an opportunity for us, you know, I've been watching them sterilize planes on television and asking why haven't they been doing this all along? (laughs) Uh, You know, this this might be a good chance for America to learn to be in a cleaner place. Uh, Or you could begin to visualize horrible outcomes and feel bad about them. Over the years, I've tried to teach people when you're thinking things that make you feel bad, you're probably thinking the wrong thing. And, you know, a lot of people relive bad past memories, and some people imagine the future will coming in a horrible way. And really successful people don't do that. Uh, They don't imagine terrible things coming. And when they do, uh, there's a real easy mental trick. You put a border around whatever you're visualizing and shrink it down to the size of a nickel, blink it black and white really fast, and the thought won't reoccur as often. It's not a psychological trick. It's a neurological trick. Which relates so much to the work that you've done. In fact, uh, it was interesting to me, because I've heard of NLP, that you are the co-founder of this practice. It's a practice, correct? Uh, Yeah, it's a set of skills. Uh, I gave it the name years ago because people kept trying to think of it as a self-help system or, uh, you know, there were like 150 schools of psychotherapy. And what I started doing was taking clients that basically everybody had given up on, whether they were depressives or psychotics or they had phobias And they tried every kind of treatment, got no results, and then started looking at the neurological research. 
and the linguistic research and research from medical journals and trying to figure out. And then simply got to the point where I started putting ads in the paper and saying, has anybody ever gotten over this problem? And then collecting together a group of people and finding out what they did in common and teaching other people to engage in the same successful thought activities. And with phobias, we had tremendous results uh, right out of the gate. We found almost 100 people that had gotten over really severe phobias. And when we looked at what they were doing, they were all doing roughly the same thing mentally. So we started teaching other people to do it and teaching psychotherapists to do it and psychiatrists to do it. And it kind of blew up around the world very fast. And part of the reason I gave it the name Neuro Linguistic Programming is it's something, if you understand it, you can do it yourself. Basically, I give a set of instructions to a client, they follow them, and, and it works. Uh, we studied hypnosis a lot to find out how hypnosis worked for things like smoking and other things that, you know, that, that just trying didn't seem to be enough for people. And uh, found out, you know, what happens when people, because hypnosis isn't really one person controlling another. It's going into a state of such concentration that you step outside the normal conscious constraints that you have and do things. And people do it all the time. Everything you do in hypnosis, you do naturally. I mean, there are people that lay in bed at night and they, in their mind, set a clock, I'm going to wake up at 8, and they wake up one minute before 8. Some people set their alarm clock and wake up just before it goes off. Uh, this requires self-programming. And when you understand how to self-program yourself, you get greater control over everything. And, uh, you know, you learn in hypnosis, you can control your heart rate and your blood pressure. And we should be able to do these things anyway. So I started going around having somebody do it to you to getting it to do it to yourself. And, and, and ultimately, for people who are in the business of psychotherapy, to have a set of skills that they could reach into, whether they were a Freudian or a Gestalt person, I didn't care. Uh, to me, it's all working on the same neurology. That's the one thing we all share in common. And the more we can control our neurology, the more we can control our destiny. Uh, in fact, the new book I've written is called Thinking on Purpose. And it's a 15-day plan to a smarter life so that it teaches you to be able to control what you believe, uh, how to motivate yourself faster, how to get out of having bad memories over and over again, and all kinds of things by using basically neurological tricks that take less than 10 or 15 minutes. And you, you read a chapter a day, you try things. Uh, in the ebook, we, you know, we have little videos at the beginning of every chapter. And, and it basically makes it so that for a couple of weeks you do these things and you end up being smarter and wasting less time because the time you spend thinking about the past and regretting things adds up. In fact, you know, 30 minutes a day uh, ends up being 150 hours in a year, which ends up being 1,510 years and 6,000 in 40 years. It just blows up really fast. And if you take all the time you spend worrying and you multiply that and add it on, you start ending up with humongously large numbers. And when people come in to me and, they, you know, they've got even just a fear of escalators or elevators, and you find out how much time they spend worrying about a day and how much time they spend thinking about it when they're not even near an escalator, 
it'll add up to an hour or two hours a day, which, you know, in 30 years ends up being an enormous number. And when you say to people, is this your plan? And given that people are going to have the next two, three, four weeks off, the question is, what are you planning to do? You know, you you know, you can sit around and spend all this enormous time worrying about what might happen, or you can do things about it, uh, like wash your hands and uh, teach your kids to be a little more careful and keep your social distance. And uh, when you get packages delivered, you know, get rid of the packaging and wash your hands and put stuff away. We either proactively prepare uh, or we don't. And uh, the question is, how are you going to spend the valuable moments of your life? Because, you know, all we, the currency of living is how you spend your moments. And you don't know how many you're going to get. So the question is, how do you spend them? Uh, my books are all about how to spend them wisely. And that's the key here that I think is important for us to understand is consciously or unconsciously, we're making that choice of how to spend that time. Everyone is equally the same in terms of the amount of time. And the difference is going to be the choices we make on what we do, how, and here it, what's critical is how we think in these moments. Yeah. Well, thinking is either, uh, you know, to call it what you will, if you call it regretting, it's still planning. And uh, planning is what we do when we think. We're planning, you know, or we're remembering. And some people have the two of those extremely confused. People go, I think I can't do something, and they're not thinking, they're remembering. And uh, just because you say you're thinking doesn't mean you are. Uh, that your ability to change the way you think is, is the most miraculous thing about human beings. Because if you change the way you think, it changes the way you feel and changes what you're actually able to do. And someone, though, who's been in, I guess it's the habit, of thinking more negatively, of thinking of when is that shoe going to fall, it's maybe more challenging. It takes some real structure to shift that around. But the thing that's important to understand is it can be changed, correct? Oh, absolutely, and easily. It, it, you know, the fact that you have the habit of thinking a certain way. For example, people with, who have big fears, uh, literally the pictures in their head are big. Uh, and if you make great big pictures that make you feel bad, then the first thing you can do is shrink them down to the size of a nickel, and uh, they won't feel so bad. And if you get in that habit, if every time you make a big picture that makes you feel really bad, you suddenly shrink it down, especially if you put a border around it and shrink it down and blink it black and white, and then think of something else deliberately that you would rather happen. I mean, great athletes don't plan by sitting around thinking I might miss shots all day tomorrow and then see themselves falling on the court and people running over them. That's not good planning. They plan by imagining that they're going to do better than they did the day before. And if you don't stop and take the time to do it, instead of the time of, of running some habitual thought pattern, you know, uh, then it's not going to change. 
But if you change the way you think, it changes how you feel, and therefore it changes what you're capable of doing. It gives you a better plan. It aims your neurology in the right direction. You know, the more you're thinking about something, the more everything consciously and, more importantly, unconsciously starts to head in that direction. By repetitiously practicing good things in your mind, uh, then it just makes you unconsciously move in the right direction. It's all planning whether you think it is or not. And if, you know, you spend your time thinking that something bad is going to happen, it's much more likely to happen because your unconscious thinks you want it to. Uh, uh, the unconscious processes in the mind don't really have negation. If I go, don't think of blue, bam, blue is on your mind. And the unconscious is even more so that way. So if you're constantly running images of things not working out and going badly or something horrible happening, kind of lines up your unconscious to move in that direction. It just doesn't know any better. So you have to really practice being an up person. Some years ago, I wrote a book called The Secrets of Being Happy. And the first third of it is all the research that's been done on, because there's a lot of research that, about how stress causes illness. But there's also a tremendous amount of research about how feeling good makes your immune system works better, makes you recover from surgery faster, makes you stay healthier. And we collected all that research together, put it in a book, and then started to tell people ways to practice being happy. Because it's, it's a skill. It's like anything else. It, you know, happiness doesn't fall out of the sky. You have to get good at it. And, you know, you have to practice smiling and you have to practice thinking that good things are going to happen. You have to actually go out and try things. When I had clients that had been depressed for years, you know, doctors came in and they were spending all their time trying to figure out how they got depressed, which would be valuable information if you wanted to depress more people. But to me, that was like the last thing they needed to spend time doing was practicing being more depressed and remembering how they got depressed and times they were depressed. What I needed to do is to create more events that got them to be more cheerful and to take the same mental skills that cheerful people had and to install it in them so that they became more cheerful. And uh, it seemed to work very well. Uh, which feels very, very applicable to the time that we're living in right now. We could spend time really being stressed and watching too much information. We need to be informed, but overwatching all the details could certainly uh, have all that negative impact and, and be negative to our immune system because we get all depressed about it. Well, here's a thing. I had left my TV on when I fell asleep, and I woke up to the chief medical guy that works for Donald Trump talking about the fact that 7,000 people have recovered from this virus. And I thought, that's kind of a cheery thought, knowing that 7,000 people have already gotten over it. You know, that's a lot more than have died from it. And now that we're getting new medicines and people are keeping their distance so it's not spreading so fast. And he went through a whole litany of things about how things are getting better. And if we follow this plan, that it's not going to be nearly as tragic as it could have been. And the fact that I personally don't know 
anyone who knows anyone who has gotten this virus, which I think is cool. I mean, you know, they always talk about there are seven levels of separation between you and anybody else. Well, at least at two levels of separation, I don't know anybody who's sick. And just that thought's a good one in my mind. I'm sure there are people out there that know somebody who has gotten sick, but it's a lot more rare than the inverse. And if we're careful and if we wash our hands for 20 seconds like we're supposed to, including your fingers, and uh, try not, you know, get in the habit of not touching your face, because most people touch their face way too much, uh, you know, rub their eyes, you know. Uh, when I go outside, I wear sunglasses just to keep me from touching my eyes. Uh, it also keeps the pollen out of your eyes as well. So, it, you know, and I wear ones that are not too dark. So when I go in the supermarket, I can have the lenses on and I can still see. Yes, exactly. So here's a way that we can really constructively move forward. Think of those positives because... It, those numbers are definitely greater. And when we think of this imposed time that we are needing to stay uh, sequestered and we're thinking about, you know, what am I going to do with all this time? Well, some of us are able to work from home. On the other hand, here's work that we can, but not even think of it as work, picking up a book like this, taking up Thinking on Purpose, a 15-day plan to a smarter life, we have a way to begin incorporating this, seeing where our thoughts are, how we can change them. Yeah, well, I mean, there's, I mean, this is a good time to read because it seems like TV is just full of the same thing. There's only so much you need to know about this virus. Uh, you know, I decided last night to watch old episodes of something else. Uh, you know, found that channel that just had old comedies on it just to cheer myself up a little bit because I was getting tired of hearing one governor after another rattle on about the same stuff. I mean, once once you know what's going on today, you really don't need to watch it all day long. Uh, you know, it's, uh, it would just build in a compulsion and and cloud your thoughts. It's you know, it's not something we need to think about every moment. And, uh, you know, I'm sure the people who are locked up with their children, you know, uh, you know, probably a month ago, were thinking, I don't see my kids enough. And now would be a good time to play some games and enjoy it. Uh, you know, you can certainly order art supplies and do a little art. Uh, it certainly would be a good time to do cleaning. Nothing wrong with that. And uh, it's spring, you know, do a little gardening. Uh, plants are not carrying the virus. Uh, I'm sure your I'm sure your dogs and your cats would like a little attention, and uh, maybe you should spend a little time on yourself. Spend some time breathing in slowly and exhaling slowly. Maybe do a little meditation. Uh, you know, I always have people come in and tell me, you know, that they're they've got way too much anxiety and high blood pressure, and I always ask them, I go, has it occurred to you to relax? And uh, they always look at me shocked and they go, well, you know, I think that I should, but that's different than just relaxing, taking a deep breath in, slowly letting it out through your nose or the inverse uh, and concentrating on something pleasant. If you have bad thoughts, put a blue circle around them and let the blue circle fill in 
and just look into blue and uh, breathe in and out slowly. And, you know, you meditate. But meditation works because you take some small thought, whether it's a word or a single picture or something irrelevant, and concentrate on it so that you let all your other thoughts fade away. And the more you concentrate, even on a reflection off of a window, and just look at that and turn your TV off and just look at a reflection of light on it, concentrate on that, and and just put one sound and repeat it over and over and over and over again in your mind and just relax. Because the more we relax, the more our nervous system gets a chance to refresh itself. Our brain gets to stop dancing all over the place. And if you have trouble quieting your thoughts, then talk to, put, put one big thought in your mind and start shrinking it down. Uh, all of these things are in lots of books. There are lots of books about meditation. There are endless tapes, and YouTube is full of this stuff. Uh, you know, you could watch me for a whole day on YouTube and never see the same thing twice. Um, this is a chance for people to learn, maybe to go inside. That as you can't go outside, then maybe you could go inside and enjoy yourself. Which, again, we are rushing around so much most of the time that we don't have that. That may be part of why we feel so stressed right now because it's just out of our comfort zone. But realize this is actually quite possibly a great gift. Well, you know, it's certainly an imposed gift, but uh, nonetheless, you know, it's a chance to just hang out a little bit. Uh, You know, uh, there certainly, you know, you can go for a walk as long as you don't walk too close to people. Uh, You know, there are lots of things that you can do. Uh, You know, part of the reason we have houses and all that stuff that's in all the closets is because we thought we were going to spend time on it. I know a lot of people buy books and never get around to reading them. This would be a good opportunity to, to expand your horizons. Uh, over my career, I've written 32 books so far, and I'm working on a 33, and I may just get it done because of this uh, a lot faster than I would have otherwise. It, uh, it, it, it's a chance to finish the things that you haven't finished. Uh, you know, there's a closet you haven't cleaned. There's a garage that needs cleaning out. Uh, this is for, you know, people working at home, work at home and do those other things. Uh, you know, people say, well, you know, I don't get enough social interaction. I went to a virtual birthday party on Saturday. We all hooked up online and, and uh, you know, went on Zoom and sat there and 25 of us went to a party at somebody's house. They even set up separate rooms that you could go and talk to different people in. And, uh, you know, uh, we didn't get to eat the cake, but it was social interaction. If you use your imagination, there is no problem that can't be solved. And that's where creativity certainly comes in. We might really find ourselves uh, exploring ideas that we just, you know, just seem to not have time to for that sort of thing. So this is a good time for that. I would say it's an exquisite time for that. 
Now, one of the things you've many of the ideas you you touched on are really part of different days and tasks that appear in this latest book, Thinking on Purpose: A Fifteen Day Plan to a Smarter Life. What uh, we haven't really touched on is food. This is an eating well, because that's definitely an important part of building this great machine of ours, this, you know, feeding our brain. Uh, Correct. Uh, There are three authors to this book. There's myself, Owen Fitzpatrick, and Dr. Glenda Bradstock, who provided a whole way to think about fueling your brain. You know, uh, a lot of people eat just because they're supposed to. A lot of people eat because they're trying to lose weight. But the one thing we should think about is that when we eat and when we take supplements and vitamins, getting just the right things so that the the, the big machine in our head runs at, at, with maximum efficiency. And, uh, you know, and so we donated a, a whole chapter to this so that people could have a basic understanding and a basic plan of what makes the brain fuel better. And uh, one of the nice things uh, about this book is while it tells you how to get out of thinking bad thoughts and while it tells you how to build big and brighter beliefs and how to motivate yourself, it also touches on the physical stuff and talks about if you're going to build a good planning machine, you need to plan how you're going to eat so that your brain works well, as well as your body, because they're, they're not two separate things. They're all one big thing. Uh, when I go to academic conferences, they always ask me about the mind-body split. And I'm sorry, but they're all part of the same thing. If you don't have one, you don't really have the other. And uh, they both need the certain kinds of foods and certain kinds of proteins and certain kind of vitamins and you know, I can tell you, Dr. Bradstock is my wife, and she's constantly giving me supplements and things that make my brain work better and keep my mind clearer so that I can make better decisions. So excellent. And the thing that's really great about these days, if we're not able to get out to a store, things are closed down, but online, we can still make these purchases. This book is available as Kindle, so it makes it so simple to make that decision. Okay, this is going to be the roadmap that I need over the next two weeks. It certainly is. It's not a demanding book. It's a small book, and we don't go into a lot of theory. We just have good explanations so that uh, people can go through, and you spend 15 days, about 15, 20 minutes max, and you read something and you try something. We have little workbooks in there so that, and, and if you go to the website, you can download extra pages if more than one person wants to go through it. Or if you get the Kindle edition, you can still download the paperwork so that you can go through and you know, write things down so that you can plan better, so that you can change the way you, what you believe is possible and impossible. and. Uh, the more you believe things, the more likely they are to come true. And, uh, you know, and on top of all of this, never underestimate the power of thought or prayer, either one. Uh, you know, a lot of people think because I'm a scientist that I don't believe that there's some intelligence in the universe. And the more you look at neurology, especially the way I have, 
the more you cannot explain away how miraculous it is. And the, all the neurons in our brain are all talking to 10 to 100 other neurons. And there's as many of them as in our brain as there are stars in the sky. Uh, so the, the amount of thought that's possible is beyond infinite. And uh, what we're capable of doing with our mind is just barely explored. And it gives people, you know, a really strong foothold to start to harness this power so that they can shift the direction of their life and get more done and be happier and, and feel more uh, that they're accomplishing things in life. In the book, The Secrets of Being Happy, one of the main things we discovered about people who we study people who have been through the worst imaginable things in the world, concentration camps, prisoner of war camps, and yet they came out the other side truly happy people. And part of the reason was that they had a purpose. They kept thinking while they were in the worst situation, when I get out of this, this is what I'm going to do. So we should all be thinking when this is over, how great it's going to be and how we're going to take full advantage of our lives instead of just go back into the same old humdrum until the next shoe drops. We should be planning to build something much better than dropping shoes. We should be planning to have wonderful lives. And Dr. Richard Bandler, I really feel you've given us so many ideas and prompted us to be moving in that direction. It is just such a gift to have you joining us and inspiring us this morning. Okay, well, you can look me up on richardbandler.com, and it'll give you a chance to see all of this in action. Perfect.